On this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast, we recap the Terps' 3-1 week culminating with a series victory at Michigan State, talk with Terps' second baseman Nick Dunn, and preview the Terps' upcoming midweek game at West Virginia and weekend series at Nebraska. Here we go. This is the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Here's your host, Justin Galanti. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 53 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. As you just heard, I'm Justin Galanti and we thank you for joining us on this episode. We had a couple week hiatus due to some scheduling difficulties and some computer difficulties, but we're finally back and we're excited to bring you another episode of this podcast and it's coming off a good week for the Terps in which they went 3-1 and one, starting with a midweek victory against James Madison at home and that day the Terps got a great start and the offense really broke out. Billy Phillips, obviously everyone knows the story, such a great one. He gets his first career start, goes four scoreless, two hits, Obviously, no runs, didn't walk anyone, struck out four. The original plan was for him to only pitch two innings, but he was pitching so well, and the pitch count was so low that he was able to continue and go four innings, only threw 53 pitches. Then Mike Vastoria gave the Terps a scoreless inning. Sean Fisher did the same. Ryan Hill made his season debut, looked sharp in a scoreless inning, and then John Murphy gave up an unearned run in the ninth inning, and the Terps won the game 6-1. to one offensively the power came out for Maryland for one of the first times this season where it was kind of the whole team uh, with the power the Terps got a home run from Randy Bednar the Terps got a home run from Nick Dunn it was just a good all-around offensive performance Dunn and Bednar each had one RBI two from Will Watson who also hit a home run Kevin Biondic had an RBI and Zach Jankarski had an RBI. He went two for three. So it was one of the few kind of stress-free midweek wins for the Terps, and it was a good way to start the week going into a big weekend series at Michigan State. Terps came into the weekend a few games behind the Spartans, and Maryland was 11th in the Big Ten. So they really, really needed to win the series, and it didn't get off to the best start in the world on Friday. The Terps lost 4-2 to against Michigan State. They only got three hits in the ballgame. Scored first in the top of the second inning on a Zach Jankarski. He walked to get on base, then stole second, and Taylor Wright singled him in to give the Terps a 1-0 lead, but Michigan State got one in the second, one in the third, and one in the fourth against Mark DeLuya, the Terps starter, who was making his second consecutive Friday night start in place of Taylor Bloom. The Terps' only other run in the game came in the top of the sixth inning and ended up losing the game, like we said, by a score of 4-2. The offense not really there, but I think the positives for Maryland in this game, Mark DeLuya gives you another really solid Friday night start, six and two-thirds, six hits, four runs, only three of them earned, walk three, struck out one, and Ryan Hill in his second appearance of the season, inning in a third of perfect baseball, struck out one, uh, obviously no hits, no walks, and no runs. So he's now gone two and a third scoreless to start his season coming back from some academic issues that he was working through. But he's another option out of the bullpen for Maryland now. And it was good to see him. But the Terps lose the game and put themselves kind of in a position where they needed to win on Saturday and Sunday. And they turn to the guy that's been their best starter all season, Hunter Parsons, on Saturday to try and get a victory. And he delivered as he has all season. Seven innings of five-hit, two-run baseball, struck out four 
score. Kevin Bionic, two scoreless at the end of it. And it was an 8-2 Maryland win in this game. Nick Dunn hit two home runs. He was the headliner. Uh, he now has 10 on the season. He's obviously been fantastic all year. And it was a really big win for Maryland. They got one in the first, but then a big four-run second inning. Added on to it with one in the fourth inning. And didn't really let Michigan State in the game from the get-go. They jumped all over the starter, Mason Erla, who gave up five runs and walked four over an inning and a third. Maryland, yeah, they drew a lot of walks in this game. Maybe didn't have the most hits in the world, at least against the starter, Erla, only two hits. But Terps took advantage of their opportunities. They were able to win the game 8-2 to two and set up the rubber match on Sunday. Kind of what you felt like was a must-win game and a must-win series for the Terps. And they delivered. It was a great win, 5-3. Maryland got it. Tyler Bloem on the mound. Maybe didn't have his best stuff, but he really battled through the afternoon. Went six innings, three hits, one earned run. Walked five, which was kind of the issue. Struck out four. And the Terps were getting no hit into the fifth inning. They were down one to nothing. And if you're a Maryland fan, maybe you were starting to worry a little bit. But in that fifth inning, the Terps get a quick run. And then Marty Costas comes up with the biggest swing of his season, maybe the biggest swing of any excuse me any Maryland player so far this season. You could debate the Sunday Northwestern home run from Kevin Biondic that put the Terps on top in the eighth inning. But Costas hits a grand slam over the scoreboard in left center field at Michigan State. Terps go ahead four to one, extend the lead to five one. The interesting thing, the Terps went to Taylor Bloom out of the bullpen for his first appearance in more than two weeks. He pitched well in the seventh, struggled in the eighth, gave up two runs. So it got cut down to a 5-3 game, but John Murphy comes out, gets his third save of the year, and Maryland wins the game 5-3. And now if you're a Terps fan, you're feeling good coming off the weekend. Maryland got its first series win in a while and they are now 5-9 and nine in Big Ten play, 19-24 and 24 overall. Terps currently sit in 10th place out of 13 in the conference, two games out of 8th, and remember you have to get into 8th place in the conference uh, in order to make it to the Big Ten tournament. Michigan State is 7-7. Seven and seven. They are in 8th right now. Maryland's a half game behind Rutgers, who's in 9th at 6-9. and nine. Just to look at the full Big Ten standings at the moment, Michigan 12-2 and in first place. The Wolverines had that incredibly long win streak snapped this weekend, lost two of three at Iowa. And if you were a Maryland fan, you were really pulling for Michigan to keep winning, keep that streak up, and then you'd have Iowa and Michigan State kind of fighting for the seven and eight spots, Rutgers and Maryland in there as well, fighting for those last two spots. But Iowa's feeling good at nine and seven right now. If they had maybe gotten swept against Michigan, they might even be behind Michigan State right now. But instead, uh, Michigan is 12 and two, Minnesota 11 and three, Purdue 10 and four, Illinois 10 and five, Indiana nine and five, Ohio State's nine and six, Iowa nine and seven, and Michigan State seven and seven. Those teams are the top eight in the Big Ten. If the season finished today, they would be the ones going to Omaha for the Big Ten tournament. Rutgers in ninth at six and nine. Maryland is in tenth at five and nine. Nebraska, who the Terps will see this weekend, is four and nine, but coming off an out-of-conference sweep uh, against Nevada. Northwestern swept Penn State, so they moved up to four and fourteen in Big Ten play, and Penn State all the way down at 1-17, and 17, so a rough year for the Nittany Lions. But, you know, if you're a Maryland fan, you're two games out of eighth place with three weekends to go. The, game, the team you're two behind is Michigan State, and if you want to look at the schedule for the Spartans coming up, well, it's pretty difficult, but 
it's something Michigan State you'd think might be able to handle. You have the three games at Penn State this weekend, so if everything's gone the way it has so far this season, you expect Michigan State to get at least two, if not three. But then they have at Minnesota and home for Ohio State, so that's difficult. So Maryland's going to have a chance to make up some ground. The other team, I think, to look at that could potentially fall from its spot is not the seventh-place team in Iowa, but it's actually the sixth-place team in Ohio State at 9-6. and six. Buckeyes have had a great year, but the last three weekends at Illinois, home for Purdue, who is red-hot right now, and at Michigan State. So if you're a Terps fan, you're really hoping, yeah, you hope Maryland can play well these last three weekends at Nebraska, home Rutgers, at Indiana, and kind of put themselves in a good spot to get to Omaha for the Big Ten tournament. But you're hoping Michigan State and Ohio State struggle the next two weekends in conference series, and then that final weekend when those two teams will meet on the 17th, 18th, and 19th of May in East Lansing. You hope that one of them beats up on the other or they beat up on each other and one of them falls out of the eighth spot, and that kind of opens it up for Maryland. Obviously, the Terps are going to have to take care of business at home against Rutgers next week, on the road this week against Nebraska, and then play on the road against a really good Indiana team to finish out the season. But the path is certainly there, and thanks to the Terps taking two of three this weekend from Michigan State, that path is open. If you want to know about Iowa, the team that's in uh, seventh place right now in their remaining schedule where the Hawkeyes will be playing out of conference this weekend against Oklahoma State. So that's going to be an interesting series. That's big for Iowa to maybe boost its RPI and gain a chance at an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament. But it doesn't matter for the Big Ten standings. But the reason I was saying earlier that Iowa is probably not the team you're going to look at to fall out of the Big Ten tournament race if you're Maryland. It's because their last two weekends in the conference are at Northwestern and Penn State at home, the two worst teams in the Big Ten this season. So if you're a Maryland fan, you're probably not going to be looking at Iowa as the team you're going to supplant in that top eight and try and make it to the Big Ten tournament. Obviously, you're only two games behind eighth of Michigan State, so that's the number one team you're looking at. But I think Ohio State has a chance to fall out as well if you know they can't keep up the good play that they have so far this season because they have three very difficult weekends uh, going down the stretch of the season. Now for the Terps this weekend, some of the stars, Hunter Parsons gives you that great Saturday start. Tyler Blom was great on Sunday. Marty Costas had the best game of his season with the grand slam and then the diving catch to save a few runs in the fifth inning against Michigan State on Sunday. But I think the guy everybody's been looking at all season without a doubt has been Terp's second baseman, Nick Dunn. He was a preseason All-American, and he's lived up to all of the hype. He's batting 341 right now, 10 homers, 32 RBIs, has 57 hits, 12 doubles. His on-base is 429. His slugging is almost 600. He has pretty much led the team in every single offensive category since the first day of the season when he hit two home runs at Tennessee, had his second multi-home run game of the season at Michigan State on Saturday, and this guy's just been phenomenal. He's been the rock in Maryland's lineup throughout the 2018 season, and we were lucky enough to have the chance to talk with Nick Dunn earlier about everything that's gone on in his career so far at Maryland, a guy who has never missed a game over his three years in College Park, and who knows, but the draft is going to come calling this summer for Dunn, D1 Baseball, as him ranked as the number two second base college prospect in the country, so 
if this is Nick Dunn's last year at Maryland, we wanted to talk to him one more time. So here is that conversation with Nick Dunn. Rip to right field, back goes Amons. He's at the wall and it's gone again! Into the bullpen, Nick Dunn is second of the day. Now joined by Terps second baseman, Nick Dunn on the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Nick, thanks so much for your time. Yeah, thanks for having me. So it's been phenomenal year for you thus far. Uh, you're hitting over 340, you lead the team in home runs, RBIs, pretty much every offensive category you can think of. What do you think's been going so well for you right now maybe the main thing uh i would say probably just being more mature as a hitter overall um you know i've kind of always had that uh i've always took pride in my uh my you know eye at the plate and my uh my overall approach um but you know i'd say one of the bigger things for me this year is just being more consistent with it being able to to do it on a daily basis now, the power's been a big surge for you this year. You're up to 10 home runs after hitting two on Saturday against Michigan State. Was there a change at some point for you between last season and this season uh, to maybe a concerted effort to increase your powers or something that's maybe changed in your approach? Uh, you know, I don't, I don't know if it was so much uh, my approach. I mean, I guess it would be a little bit, but I, I, would, I worked a lot on timing uh, in the offseason. Um, you know, besides the fact of just working out and getting, you know, a little bigger, a little stronger in the off season, um, I worked a lot on timing stuff because before I was a, you know, my my leg lift and everything was pretty short. My bottom half of my swing was was pretty pretty short and quick. Um, so I worked a lot on with the the timing of just the leg lift. You know, maybe starting it a little earlier. Um, you know, kind of getting the foot down earlier, uh, which helps with your you know, with laying off bad pitches and everything too. Um, but I'd say timing was one of the biggest things for me when it comes to the, the power numbers a little bit. Um, it also helped a lot with, um, you know, being able to, to you know, uh, see more, you know, better pitches and, and kind of, you know, lay off bad ones and capitalize on mistakes is probably the biggest thing. Now, this is something I was actually talking with your dad about a couple of weeks ago, but we've seen a lot of teams overshift on you to the right side. And personally, you never struck me as somebody that's a dead pull hitter. So have you been surprised to see that? And maybe does that change how you hit at the plate? Uh, you know, surprised a little bit. Um, that doesn't really change my approach at all because, you know, my approach, you know, even though my power numbers are, you know, up a little bit from last year, that doesn't really change my approach at all. You know, I still consider myself – someone that hits to all fields you know I've always taken pride in that and uh you know it's just kind of like you know just a little funny thing when I see you know them shifted to the pool side you know because I can you know I, I'm able to hit the ball at all fields so you know that's that's something that you know maybe I, I could you know I look to take advantage of sometimes um you know if they're shifting me you know I can hit one down the down the third baseline or in the in the left field and you know sneak sneak a double out we haven't seen you do any of the uh, the bunting with two outs and stuff like that this year. Is that not going to come? Uh, it could. I don't know. We'll see. <laughs> Keep us on our toes. <laughs> yeah. Now, let's go back to the beginning of the season. Uh, a couple days before the year starts, you're named a preseason All-American, and then you come out opening day and hit two home runs against Tennessee. What was that entire kind of whirlwind of stuff like? Uh, you know, it was pretty cool. Um, you know, it all happens pretty fast. You know, you're you're caught up in the game, and, you know what's going on around you so uh but you know no it was fun it, it was pretty uh it was a pretty cool experience especially opening weekend to come out and 
be able to help the team like that, it, it was pretty fun. And then this weekend you hit two more on Saturday against Michigan State, and that kind of felt like a game you guys more or less needed to win. And, you know, you were able to lead the way offensively. Hunter gives you guys another great start. How much do you think you're putting on your shoulders this season maybe offensively? Uh, you know, I, I mean, I, don't know. I I never really look at it like that. It's a, you know, how we like to call it, we're a pack. You know, it's a, it's a group effort. Um, you know, we go out. You know, we have nine guys that go out and run off. You know, good abs every game. So uh, we were able to do that this weekend, along with our pitching too. You know, all our starters pitched great. Our bullpen came in and were able to help us out a lot. So it was, and we ended up getting a big, uh, big series win. And you guys have put yourselves in position only two games out of eighth place with three weekend uh, series to go. One thing that people love to talk about with you is how over your three years you've walked so many more times than you struck out. And there's that number about your senior year in high school, you never struck out, not once. And I think it was Zach Jankarski we were talking with on this podcast a few weeks ago about how he impressed he's been over the last few years with your two-strike approach. So maybe... Can you just take us through when you're at the plate, two strikes on you, kind of what's going through your mind? Yeah, I mean, I you know, I open up the zone a little bit. Um, you know, with two strikes, I'm, you know, I'm still trying to put the ball and play hard. Um, but if there's, you know, pitches that are, you know, maybe borderline strike ball um, that, you know, could be called strikes. Um, you know, I worked a lot in, in, you know, early in my career in high school with, you know, spoiling pitches, we call it. So, uh you know, if there's like a borderline pitch, you know, if, if you're able to just foul it off, you know, then maybe it comes with a, a mistake, you know, a pitch or two later. Now, you know, this year it's the same thing. Your on-base percentage is really high. You've struck out way more than you've walked. And last year maybe you didn't have the year you, you wanted, at least numbers-wise. You hit 261 this year, over 340. And I think a lot of us, when we were watching these games, said, man, there have been so many times this year where Nick Dunn's hit the ball hard somewhere and it's just right at somebody. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of how you felt throughout the year last year? Uh, Yeah, a little bit. I mean, you know, uh, it's baseball, though. You know, it's 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 going to happen. Um, you know, and it, it, it can be frustrating sometimes, but that's just, you know, one of those things. It's a part of the game. Um, you know, the better you can deal with that, uh, the better things will turn out for you in the end. Um, but yeah, no, I said last year a lot that, you know, I, I felt like I was hitting the ball well, you know, it was just kind of right at people a lot. Now you've had the two years on the Cape and pretty much dominated your way up there with the Brewster Whitecaps this year, you were first team all Cape or I don't even know what they call it, but first team all whatever, uh, co-playoff MVP, you won a championship. What do you think you learned over your two years on the Cape and maybe what are some of the best memories you have from that? Uh, I mean, getting to play every day up there with, you know, the best players in the country, it's, it's a pretty cool experience. And, you know, being able to go up there and do it twice was, was, you know, even more fun, you know, meet a lot more people, uh, you know, as far as things I've learned, you know, it's just kind of getting to go through the grind of actually playing every day. Um, was probably one of the biggest things for me. Uh, you know, uh, the second this past summer, uh, we actually had a few rainouts and we played 17 or 18 days straight. Right. So I mean, you know, even big leaguers aren't doing that most of the time. So uh, to go through that, uh, to experience that, and and the grind of that was pretty cool. Um, and then as far as you know, the baseball side of it goes, you know, it's 
every day you're getting better up there. You know, you show up early, get your early work in. It's it's just, you know, constant reps, offense, defense, you know, um, getting to face good pitchers every day. It's, you know, you can't really beat it. And you got to be up there with Marty this summer. What was that like? It was cool. It was cool to, you know, being there the year before. I kind of knew, you know, the ins and outs of the town, and, you know, what to do, you know, how to spend off days, that kind of thing. So it was cool to, you know, share that with him and get to show him around, you know, um, and just, you know, have fun. Now, there are a couple teams on the Cape that people say are kind of like tourists are the fans of them, and then some of them have the real backing of the town, and Brewster's certainly one of those. And it was pretty special to be around that team throughout the year, and especially because you guys won the title. It was the longest drought in the Cape going before this season. It had been since 2000, uh, since Brewster won. So kind of what was it like to have a whole town behind you guys and then be able to win that title? Uh, I mean, it was pretty special. You know, it was that's that made it even more you know fun to play up there and f- to play for Brewster. You know, we would we would uh, you know go places to eat and and you know just do stuff on off days and and you know people would come up to us just you know people that have been living in Brewster and following the team for years and just be like you know just excited to to talk baseball with us and and talk about the season about how special it was and how much it meant to everyone in the town and you know that just made it even more fun to to go out and play every day and. You know, to get that many fans for summer games, you know, we had four or five thousand people for the last, you know, series or two. And, yep. You know, that's, you know, that's that's a lot for a summer game. So, you know, to to have all those people behind you, it, it makes it even more special. Yeah, I remember they're trying to find fa- places to fit people for that yeah. championship game, and uh, I don't think you guys had lights, so it was sweltering mm-hmm. hot in the middle of the afternoon, and uh, Marty made that diving catch to save the game in the eighth inning. So obviously a pretty special experience for you guys. And Randy Bednar is going to be going up to Brewster this summer. So he'll kind of uh, continue the Maryland to the Cape pipeline. Maybe Blom goes back there if he doesn't hit an innings limit. Uh, we'll see with all that. Now people love to talk about your hitting because it's obviously been great. You have some of the best hands that so many scouts say that they've seen. But I think over the last three years, maybe something that's gone overlooked is the dramatic improvement in your defense. Uh, what do you think led to that, and how much pride do you take in playing second base now? Uh, you know, I take a lot of pride in it. Um, you know, I've worked a lot, a lot over the last three years on, you know, just trying to improve my defense, um, you know, because my, my bat was always, you know, what, you know, people said was my strong point and, you know, what, what took me places. And and to to be able to put extra work in for my defense was, you know, it was it was good for me. I put, uh, I put a lot of time into it. The last two summers up in the Cape, I, I took a lot of reps, um, you know, just worked a lot on footwork, arm strength. I took reps at shortstop a lot just to help with the strength in my arm and, you know, help with the footwork and everything. But, uh, yeah, I, I just I worked on it a lot and, you know, uh, seeing some improvements finally. And, and, you know, it's it was just it was fun to be able to put that work in and see see improvements. Now, a lot of people around here like to say that you're almost a carbon copy of Brandon Lau and what his career was like here at Maryland, where his bat was there every year and the glove got much better as his time went on. And now you see him making his way through the Tampa Bay Rays system. Is he somebody that motivates you? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, to to, to know that he played here before me and uh, to see what he's doing now, it, it's really special and it's, it's fun to watch and, and fun to follow. So I know this is probably something you do don't want to talk about it but I but I kind of have to ask um the draft's going to come this summer and you're going to be eligible you obviously have another year of eligibility after this if you want to come back but D1 baseball has you as the number two second base prospect in all of college baseball right now 
What do those accolades mean to you, and what does it mean to you just to kind of have the chance to get your name called pretty early this summer? Uh, you know, it, it's cool, um, but, you know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, it's it'll always be in the back of your mind, but it's not something that you, you put first or you think about during the season. You know, uh, um, you know, we just had that big win against Michigan State, so, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're really coming together as a team right now, and, and you know, we're, we're trying to keep that rolling into West Virginia tomorrow and into this weekend against Nebraska, and, you know, that's kind of the focus, um, you know, right now, and, you know, it's kind of just one of those things that, you know, when it when it happens, it happens, you know, you cross that bridge when you get to it, but, you know, as of now, we're just trying to, you know, we're pushing for the postseason right now as a team, and, you know, it's it's a lot of fun going through that with this with this group of guys. You talk about this game against West Virginia tomorrow, and you're sort of at the point in the season where midweeks, resume-wise, might not mean all that much, but you're playing a team that got you guys twice in the regional last year, so what kind of motivation does that give you going into tomorrow? Yeah, no, it, 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 there's, there's motivation there for sure, uh, you know, being that, you know, uh, we played them in the the regional last year, and you know we, we weren't able to come out on top. It's you know it, it it'll mean a lot to us to, to be able to go there and and uh, get a win out of it. Talking about midweeks last week, you guys got an incredible start from Billy Phillips. What was that like to watch? Uh, it was very cool. Um, you know, it's just, it's just awesome to to see him out there and, and playing now, and you know getting to see him pitch and everything, and um, you know getting to see him throw at Tennessee was was very cool. Um, and then when he started the good start he had the other week, you know, that was it's just it's just really cool to see. What do you think this team needs to do to make a strong push to the end? Because, you know, maybe things weren't looking great for a while for a while, but you always kept yourself in a position to be one good hot streak away from making a run into the Big Ten tournament. And right now, three weeks left, you're only two games out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, you know, uh after the good weekend we have, we just need to keep uh keep pushing, keep grinding. Uh you know, uh our pitching was good this weekend. We're running off more quality at bats, and uh, you know we're we're really coming together as a team. We're right there. You know, it's it's theirs for our to take. So it'll be a good weekend. One of the coolest things I think, or at least to me, about you is that over your three years here, you have started every single game since you've stepped on campus. What does that mean to you? Uh, you know, it means a lot. I mean, I just like you know I like going out and playing every day. So. Uh, you know, no one wants to ever miss a game, and, you know, I've been fortunate enough to, to stay healthy and, you know, be able to be in the lineup uh, as much as I can. Now, you're not the most outspoken guy in the world, that, you know, you probably know that, but <laughs> so people, you know, not that many people know a whole lot about Nick Dunn. Whether this year is the end of your time here or next year, what do you want people to kind of remember about you as a baseball player and as a person? Uh, you know, I'd just say probably the biggest thing is just, you know, he's the same player all the time you know goes out uh goes about his business you know is is consistent and is the same player you know every day now i want to give you this opportunity before we finish up uh during batting practice coach rob vaughn uh likes to say that you don't have a lot of range over at second (laughs) base uh floor is yours rebuttal to that (laughs) no no you know he just likes to give us our time uh you know just kind of getting warmed up vp you know uh open up the range a little bit once uh, once we get warmed up a little bit but you know that's just that's just part of having fun you know going out and, and joking around every day and ma- making the game fun all right nick well we really appreciate uh your time here i feel like sitting next to you for 15 minutes i might be able to go hit 300 this weekend <laughs> or something like that but we appreciate it and good luck the rest of the way thank you
Our thanks to Nick Dunn for joining us on this episode of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Now I'm back and it's time to preview the Terps upcoming week. It starts with a Tuesday night midweek game on the road against West Virginia. This game will start at 6.30, so your kind of unusual night game in a midweek. And I think it's a big one for the Terps. We've talked about uh, quite a bit on broadcasts and on podcasts about how you know, the Terps might be a little bit beyond the point of an at-large bid, so these midweek games don't mean all that much in terms of resume building. But I think this is a big game for the Terps after last year, where, if you remember, the Terps lost twice to West Virginia in the Winston-Salem Regional. This is the team that ended the season for Maryland last year. So mentally, you want to get back at these guys. Maryland won the midweek game at home last year against the Mountaineers. So really for a pride standpoint, this is going to be an interesting game for Maryland, trying to get some revenge on the team that knocked them out of the NCAA tournament last year. It's going to be really interesting to see who Maryland starts. Um, my guess is going to be they go back to Billy Phillips, but we'll see. Taylor Bloom is obviously healthy now, so if the Terps want to restore him in his weekend starting spot, they can do that. But Mark DeLuya has been solid on Fridays, and at this point, there's not really a whole lot of reason to throw DeLuya in the midweek because, you know, if you can have DeLuya Parsons Blome and Bloom as options. Those four guys for three games over the weekend, why not do it? Why worry about the midweek so much? So it's going to be very interesting to see what Maryland does. We saw on Sunday the Terps tag-teamed the game with Blome and then Bloom as the bridge to John Murphy. So if Maryland goes back to Billy Phillips, you hope he has as good of a start as he did last week against James Madison, but you know he's going to go out there and compete as he always does. That's what the coaching staff loves so much about him. So Phillips could be on the mound for Maryland. It could be Bloom for a couple of innings. It could be Alec Tui. It could be Mike Vastori. We really don't know yet. Nothing has been announced on the other side for West Virginia. Our guess is that it might be Alec Manoa, who started against Maryland in the midweek last year and then started the first game in the Winston-Salem Regional. Uh, we don't have an announced starter for West Virginia yet, but based on trends, we're thinking it might be Manoa. And he was a guy who started the year as the Saturday starter for West Virginia, moved to Fridays, and then he struggled so much that he's out of West Virginia's rotation right now. His last five or six outings have been in relief, but we are hearing that he might get a midweek start and the Terps would get a third shot at the sophomore in the last two years. A guy who has absolutely electric stuff, but sometimes has has trouble excuse me, with his control and keeping the ball in the strike zone. West Virginia, after making it to the regional final last year before succumbing to the host Wake Forest, has taken a little bit of a step back this season. They are 22-19, and 6-9 in the Big 12, but they took this weekend's series at home against a ranked Texas team. They won on Saturday 8-6 and Sunday 8-3 after an 11-6 loss on Friday. So this is a team that might be trending up right now, and this game is going to matter to West Virginia because they are very much still in play for an at-large bid to the NCAA tournament if they are unable to win the Big 12 tournament. Uh, so this is a big one for them. For the Terps, you look to just keep momentum, maybe make it three in a row before you have the big series this weekend against Nebraska, a team that's just a notch behind Maryland in the Big Ten standings. The Huskers are 20-22 and 22 this season, 4-9 and nine in the Big Ten, coming off a year in which they won the Big Ten regular season title, made it to a regional last year for the second straight year, but ended up 
getting swept out in the Corvallis Regional, which was hosted by the number one team in the country going into the NCAA tournament, Oregon State. Maryland last year lost two of three on the road against Nebraska in a regular season weekend series, but then the Terps got the Huskers back in the Big Ten tournament, eliminated the number one seed. Tyler Blome started that game. He struck out double digits in four innings, and Maryland went on to win, eliminate Nebraska. Terps won another game, obviously, against Northwestern before losing again to the Wildcats in the Big Ten semifinals. Nebraska has certainly not had the year it wanted to. Uh, Darren Erstad, some people were saying, on the hot seat, maybe out in Lincoln, but Bill Moose, the athletic director for Nebraska, gave Erstad a vote of confidence last week, said he's staying right where he is. So Nebraska may be playing a little bit better baseball right now, coming off an out-of-conference sweep against Nevada 9-5, 9-6, and 12-5. Now, this was a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series, so the Huskers mixed up their rotation to try and keep guys on schedule coming into this series against Maryland. But their Friday night guy for the majority of the season has been Luis Alvarado, who's an interesting story. His first two years in Lincoln was a position player. Last year was a position player and their closer. And this year he's only a starting pitcher. He has a 3.19 ERA in 11 starts. We expect maybe Matt Waldron and Matt Warren to get starts as well. Maybe a Nate Fisher or a Mike Waldron gets a start in this series. Nebraska's had trouble setting a, a weekend uh, rotation all season. Last year, the Huskers' Friday night starter was Jake Hohensee, who was dominant against the Terps on the Friday night uh, at home against Maryland, beat Brian Schaefer and threw the best game of his career. But now as a senior, Hohensee is the closer for Nebraska. He has a 0.55 ERA and nine saves in 16 and a third innings. So he is the guy at the back end of the bullpen for Darren Erstad that the Terps have to look out for, but it doesn't look like Hohensee's going to get a start this weekend because he hasn't all season, so the Terps uh, won't have to deal with him. As an offense, Nebraska hits 268 as a team. They have two guys batting over 300, but they have both had phenomenal seasons. The top offensive threat is Scott Schreiber, a senior for the Huskers, who right now is batting 392, 16 home runs, and 43 RBIs. He's one of a number of guys having monster seasons in the Big Ten. If you had to stack up the race right now for the Big Ten Player of the Year, I think Schreiber's probably fourth. Number one would be Bren Spillane from Illinois. Number two, Noah McGowan from Ohio State. Number three, Jackson McGowan from Purdue. And then Schreiber fourth from Nebraska. Part of that is that uh, if the season ended today, Nebraska would not make the Big Ten tournament. So it's going to be pretty tough for Schreiber to maybe take home that award with his team not having a winning record. But he certainly put up the numbers to back potentially getting some hardware at the end of the season. The other top offensive player, for Nebraska is their catcher, Jesse Wilkening, who's batting 348 on the season, has six home runs, leads the team with 46 RBIs. Nebraska doesn't hit a ton of home runs as a group. The next highest total is Luke Roskam with four. Nobody else has more than two. They've only hit 34 as a group, but it's been a disappointing season for the Huskers, but as we said, coming off a sweep of Nevada, a team that is pretty good out of the Mountain West, so Nebraska playing uh, much better than it was at the beginning of the season, and they still have an outside shot to work their way into the Big Ten tournament, currently sitting a half game behind Maryland, as we said, at 4-9. and nine. The Terps 5-9 and nine in conference play right now. 
On the Maryland side of things, it's going to be very interesting to see what they do this weekend with the starting rotation. Do they stick with Mark DeLuya on Fridays? Do they go back to Taylor Bloom? It's been a really, really long time. It's been since the Radford game in early March that Maryland has won on a Friday. But I don't think they will move what they do on Saturday and Sunday. I think that they're going to you know, stick with what's been working. So Hunter Parsons on Saturday, Tyler Bloom on Sunday. And then the question just becomes, does Deluya or Bloom get the start on Friday? It's a tough, tough decision for Rob Vaughn and Corey Muscara. On the one hand, you have this young freshman who is probably pitched a little bit better than Bloom this season. On the other hand, you have Taylor Bloom, who has all the experience in the world, has a chance this season to break the program record for innings pitched, and he's been your guy, a linchpin of the rotation for four years now. So we'll see what Maryland does, but no doubt coming off winning two of three at Michigan State, you feel like the Terps, to keep Big Ten tournament hopes alive, need to take maybe two of three on the road against Nebraska here and then play a really good series at home against Rutgers in two weeks because Indiana has been a team that's been ranked in the top 20 all season. And when the Terps go to Bloomington to, to finish the season, I mean, there's no reason they can't win a few games out there, but it's going to be much more difficult than at Nebraska or at, or excuse me, at home for Rutgers. So you feel like these are the two weekends for the Terps to make it happen if they're going to be out in Omaha at season's end. Well, that pretty much wraps up episode 53 of the Maryland Baseball Network podcast. Special thanks to Terps second baseman Nick Dunn for joining us. As always, follow us on Twitter for updates at MDBaseballNet. Check us out on Facebook at facebook.com backslash mdbaseballnet. Look at all our content at our website, marylandbaseballnetwork.com. And if you like what you've heard, subscribe by searching Maryland Baseball Network in the iTunes store. One more time, the Terps will be playing Tuesday night, 6.30 on the road against West Virginia, 6 o'clock pregame show on the Maryland Baseball Network. Then the game times this weekend at Nebraska, 7.35 on Friday, 3.05 on Saturday, and 2.05 on Sunday, those all Eastern Standard Time. And we hope that you will join us on the Maryland Baseball Network. For now, for our entire staff, I'm Justin Galanti. So long, everyone. Keep away.